and welcome to CDO Magazine Interview Series. I'm Chris Nur, Chief Digital Officer of Synity, a world leader in enterprise data software, and we're partnering with Chief Data Officer Magazine, MIT CDO IQ, and the Interna International Society of Chief Data Officers to bring you this series of interviews with global thought leaders in data. Today, I have the great pleasure of talking with Adira Karkara, Deputy Chief State Data Officer for the state of Arkansas. Welcome, Adira. Very nice to meet you and uh, look forward to our conversation today. Likewise, Chris, thank you for having me. And this is a great initiative. So thank you for what you all are doing there. So as a starting point, um, could you give our audience a general overview of the scope and key services that the Arkansas Division of Information Systems provides? And then talk a little bit about how the chief data officer role kind of fits into that overall organization. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, the Division of Information Systems is the key technology provider for all of our state agencies and departments in the state of Arkansas. So we provide everything from hosting services to network to broadband to support of the Arkansas Public School Network. Uh, so really, uh, we're the technology providers for all needs around all state agencies and uh, uh, departments within the state of Arkansas here. Now to come to the office of the CDO or the chief data officer. For Arkansas, the General Assembly passed legislation in 2017 that created the position of the chief data officer for Arkansas. So Act 912 of 2017 created that position for us. And, and really it was the, the focus was, uh, or the need was to bring increased focus for treating data as a strategic asset for the state. I started in my role as the deputy chief data officer for Arkansas since 2017. So I'm close to about three years, some in that role today. Um, and in my role, I've, uh, I work with different state agencies and departments uh, to collaboratively create data policies, standards, and procedures uh, in the hope to improving data management and data governance around state agencies and departments. Um, it's a very exciting role, very challenging, uh, a great mix of technology and business needs. Um, but with every challenging role comes a lot of responsibility. Uh, dealing with government data and making sure that the right data is available and used to inform the right policy. It's a, it's a role of big responsibility, but uh, a, a great role. And I'm very excited that Arkansas is on its journey to being more data-driven since the legislation was passed in 2017. Yeah, that's, that's, that's amazing. And, and we'll, we'll come back to this point a bit later, but I think that's... Um, very interesting and, and very enlightened that the state actually took the trouble and had the foresight to put in place a, a strategy and an organization. And it's, um, it's, uh, it's terrific that you've been kind of part of the whole journey from the very beginning. So, so maybe to, to bring that to life, are there, are there a couple of key initiatives where having this organization and having your team, um, having a, kind of a data strategy, better data provisioning, has, has really made a difference that you could highlight. And, and maybe if you could, because I, I liked what you said about how your role and, and the strategy encompasses both a set of technology outcomes and a set of business outcomes, or you know what I would call client outcomes. Maybe if you could uh, make sure to touch on both aspects, that would be, uh, that would be really interesting. So uh, there has been several initiatives that I would want to jump on and talk about just now. So I'm going to my mind trying to think of one or two that I probably want to highlight just now. Uh, probably one of the first things that I would mention is when the office was instated in 2017, 
the first thing that we started off with was what I like to call listening tours for different state agencies and departments. And what we did there was we went out to try to better understand where each department and each agency was in their data maturity journey. What were their data needs? What were their pain points? With that listening tour and an analysis of that, we came up with a publication for a gap analysis of state department needs. What was highlighted in it were two two issues of data sharing, data governance, and the lack of having a data catalog or an inventory of data assets so different agencies and departments could know what each other had. So we took that publication and uh, moved on to our first project of cataloging or creating an inventory of data assets from different departments. Uh, that effort started in about 20, late 2017 to early 2018, and today we have data inventory from over 15 departments uh, collected together in an online portal, uh, together with not only the assets that they own, but also with the governing regulations around it, the data stewards, uh, the critical information around those data assets are now listed together in an online portal, and uh, that has been a tremendous win for the state. That inventory is available across the state. So different departments could see the information supply chains between departments, which is so critical when it comes to government. All of these data sets are so interlinked to each other that we have to know how the information is flowing through these departments. So that has, I think that has been a tremendous uh, project that we have been able to get going. And uh, like I said, we have 15 departments right now, and it's still growing. We're still having more departments and agencies added to it. Um, and it has been put into great use when we've implemented projects like uh, our statewide longitudinal data system. So the statewide longitudinal data system is an effort to link administrative data from across education and workforce agencies and departments. It's, it's, it's absolutely critical for this to move forward, especially in view of the current crisis and pandemic that we are in, to be able to provide insights into uh, unemployment or education status, just provide the insights into the needs of our evolving economy today. Um, and we've been able to leverage our data asset inventory or our catalog, like we call it here, uh, to see what data sets are available in which departments, how information is flowing, and how those, into, how those data sets need to be brought together to make more sense um, and be available to provide uh, more informed decisions. So that's 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 uh, a great accomplishment and, and really interesting too. And and you know I think for uh, a lot of our audience who are in uh, in private industry and and not in the public sector, um, that will be. I think it's uh, it's particularly worthwhile to study what you've done. And if you think about the the scope and complexity. The stakeholders, the different agencies of you know a, a, a big state IS. Uh, this is exactly the same thing I see many uh, many large corporations struggling with, and and actually struggling to understand why it's important to do that foundational work that's going to actually drive uh, you know kind of the sharing, and and uh, and provide a solid foundation for any. Process reengineering, outcome-driven, you know, systems-enabled or technology-enabled uh, uh, programs. Um, so, you, you mentioned in in uh, in that uh, COVID and the COVID response was was the catalog important to how Arkansas 
responded to the, the COVID pandemic? And uh, did your department play a role in kind of leveraging that data to improve response outcomes? Yeah, that's a great question, Chris. Um, I, I think I, I can't stop telling you how many different areas or policy initiatives the catalog has come to be of value for, uh, and definitely the pandemic. Uh, when, when, when the crisis hit us, there were so many different areas, obviously, that were impacted and not just the health sector. And, and that's where we've been able to leverage it to say, where are the other data sets existing today that could be integrated, or at least what information is available that could be shared, which is relative to the pandemic. And again, it's not just the healthcare data sets that we're talking about. I mean, it could be information on unemployment. It could be information on childcare. You know, when critical workforce is expected to come back to work for taking care of critical needs, they needed a place to know where are the childcares that are open and functioning while during the pandemic. Well, where do you get all that information for? And, and in the many hats that the CTO wears, I think one of those hats is the role of a coordinator. And I think that's where we saw our role being leveraged to play the role of a coordinator to assist in identifying the data sets that are available and play that strategic coordinating role to bring together different departments. Uh, another area which I've been fortunate enough to, be, uh, to provide assistance in it in is uh, Governor Hutchinson's COVID-19 Technical Advisory Board, uh, which was created uh, in May to get um, a group of technology leaders from across the state landscape and get them together to start evaluating the current technology solutions, look at contact tracing, and also to provide recommendations uh, on data-driven solutions to combat COVID-19. Uh, it, it is a great group of people, and uh, and I'm honored and privileged to be serving with that group of people together to come up and start looking at what we need to do to move from a more reactive mode like we were when the pandemic hit to more of a planned approach to take our economy to the next steps. So the effort now is instead of responding directly to the crisis as it was in February or March, to today being into a more planned approach and getting more insights into how COVID-19 is impacting different areas of our economy, whether it's unemployment, whether it's unemployment across industries, whether it's unemployment geographically, uh, school data, uh, what is the impact on our talent workforce? Is our gap between talent workforce available and the needs of the industry, is that widening? Insights like that are what the board is working on, and uh, it's and data plays a very exciting role at this time. Well, that, that's that's amazing. One well, and congratulations on on the work, and then also on on your personal role and your team's role in it. I, I think that's um, th- that's fascinating, and you know, I, I've had this observation, um, you know, talking to uh, many data and IT and business leaders that organizations that were able to respond most effectively had had the foresight to already have the foundational work in place, which I think is very much the story that you're telling here. So I imagine that if, you know, that act hadn't been passed in 2017, your office hadn't been put in place that the, you know, the scramble, and it was a scramble plan for everyone, right? The scramble plan execution would have been a lot worse. And, you know, you might, as some organizations still are, uh, kind of be 
digging out still and not able to move from that uh, kind of diagnostic and reactive mode into a you know more predictive mode that, that really supports the recovery. And um, you know, I, I definitely share the view that that uh, I, I'm sure I'm I'm preaching to the, the the choir a bit, but for many data professionals, it, it feels like. Um, we know how everything fits together, but but all too often we're like the last person to be asked, you know, how to connect the dots between things. So so I love stories where um, the opposite of that is true, and and you know that's very much uh, very much what you're sharing. So that's uh, it's really interesting. This is maybe one more point. You know, I, I like how um, your response. Uh, kind of illustrates the importance of not only a vertical data in, in, a, in like the healthcare part, but horizontal data spanning across multiple domains and why, you know, making these foundational investments, it's, it's, it's always going to be important because when, when you need them, you really need them. And you may not always be able to think in advance, like, oh, if we happen to have a global pandemic that, you know, was a healthcare crisis and an economic crisis and a human crisis all at the same time, what data would I need to respond to that effectively? So I think it's, uh, I think that's, um, you know, extremely interesting and, and really illustrates a number of, um, of valuable points in, you know, both in data strategy and in, in executing a data strategy. Um, maybe I could shift gears um, a minute. So in, in, um, in talking about, you know, sort of the, the challenges that you've been working through, uh, you mentioned data sharing, uh, you mentioned governance, you mentioned um, the data catalog. Um, I, I noticed that you posted on Twitter recently that data quality remains among the chief challenges for CDOs. Um, can you elaborate a little bit on, on you know, wh where you see specifically the challenges? Are these technology challenges? Are they business challenges? Are they a mix? Yeah, uh, great question again, Chris. I think I, I think it's a mix. I think data quality is, uh, is 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 first a challenge that I think is more process driven. I see what I see happening in organizations is the lack of two things. I think first they need to identify what defines data quality for them. What are the requirements for data quality because they're going to differ from organization to organization and maybe even have more than one definition of the same data set for different consumers. So organizations often are failing to define what are their requirements of data quality. And then the second aspect of that would be to say, how are you measuring that data quality, right? So, okay, now you have your requirement defined clearly. How are you gonna to continue to measure that in a manner that is comprehensible and is usable by everyone? And and the more we talk about it, the more we discuss this as organizations individually and as organizations coming together from a statewide perspective, the more we are going to be able to make progress on it. What we've done for that from uh, initiatives on a statewide perspective is today we have a data governance committee set up, a state data governance steering committee set up. And that committee <clears throat> has representation from agency data officers from across different state departments. So we get together on, uh, on a monthly basis and we bring together topics that are of concern from different departments and agencies. Now, whether it's, it's related to data quality, whether it's related to changes happening in information supply chains in a, in a particular department that's gonna impact another department, we get together and we talk about those points every month 
And those discussion points are then taken back to the data stewards and the managers in each department. And that's how important topics like quality, governance, security, and privacy are continuously addressed by the steering committee. And, and the idea is to create that movement, not just vertically or not just horizontally. This movement needs to happen in both the vertical chain and the horizontal chain yeah. to be actually effective. Yeah. So, so I have the experience a lot. I have a, uh, it's kind of a question and, and, um, and an observation that I'll, I'll share with you. So I've had a lot of conversations in my life about data quality and um, very senior people often have the reaction. Um, I don't understand what it is. It sounds expensive. Who cares? I've got better things to invest in. What I've found to be uh, helpful in, in addressing that is to focus more on the outcomes that the data quality drives rather than the data quality uh, intrinsically, you know, almost the way you might focus on uh, in manufacturing, um, you know, having a good product at the end rather than measuring all the manufacturing process parameters, which manufacturing folks care about. The people running the company and the customers, they're like, well, is, the, is it a good quality product or not? Am I, am I happy with the product? Is that, is that an issue that you face? Or, or I wonder if, you know, given that, that um, working in the public sector, you have the opportunity to have sort of a more foundational organizational investment that people kind of more or less get why data quality is important. And I think that was about eight questions and six observations all rolled into one. But, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think, again, it goes back to the point of literacy around that topic, right? The more we talk about it, the more we get organizations to understand the value, what, what is the end result that you're looking for? And it, it doesn't, like you said, a lot of organizations shy away from their idea because of what cost are you trying to avoid? They're not clear what is the final gain from this. And a lot of times that that gain could be cost avoidance. It, it could be creating value. It could be re-identifying brand image. I mean, there are so many non-tangible benefits of data quality, which are probably the hardest to do, put down on a sheet. Yes, now, yeah. Yeah, so, so those are the areas that the more we bring together these data leaders from different organizations and continue to champion and talk about these topics. That is how I hope that they are able to take those topics back to each state department or organization and champion those efforts within their organizations. Yeah. That's no, how that ultimately we'll I think you said that something similar to what I said in slightly different language, but I sort of go back. I mean, if, if I were, explaining this to a, you know, a, a public sector agency person who didn't understand, I might bring up what you shared about COVID and said, like, look, if I can't understand who the people are because their data is not properly man maintained, then I can't provide the services that they need in an effective way. And we're not able to get good outcomes for the people that we're trying to serve. And so, you know, at least in, I, I think that was sort of your, your observation as well. I think that that education and the connection um, between you know sort of the the mechanics of the work, if you will, and the the data the data professional stuff, connecting that back to the broader context is you know is is something that I think continues to be really really important. Uh, on a related note, what's your sense of of data sharing among different levels of of uh, of government, and, and you know to the extent that it's relevant, um, 
private industry. So I'm thinking of, you know, you, you have both, uh, uh, an advanced, you know, maturing state agency. You have neighboring states. I'm sure there's relevant data you can share with them. You have the federal government. You have municipalities, which presumably are set up with, you know, with um, different um, budget charters and so on. W- what's your sense in sort of broad strokes of are we happy or sad as a as a country um, as it relates to to that data sharing across different levels of the public sector? I think the public sector has made tremendous, tremendous, uh, we've seen tremendous growth in the public sector as far as the value of data goes in the recent years. You know, whether we start looking at it from the perspective of what the federal government is doing with the Evidence Act uh, or or what the states are doing as far as creating more and more uh, chief data officers' uh, offices around the states, I think we're seeing the same movement happen at the city level. And, and the fact that more and more CDOs and more and more CDOs, uh, CDO offices are being set up both at the state, federal and city government, I think that itself is a huge indication of how seriously government is now, government is now treating data as an asset, right? Uh, the work that the federal government is doing around the Evidence Act is, uh, is, is great. Uh, we've tried to continue to look at it and follow some of those guidelines when we are creating policies for ourselves at the state level. Uh, another thing that uh, the state CDOs are doing, there is a state chief data officers network that is uh, that has brought together the state CDOs from different states. And that network together collaborates and comes up with different policies and procedures that might be useful for different states to use. Um, data sharing has definitely been one of the key topics that the network has constantly talked about. Um, in fact, there was a recent publication from the network around data sharing guidelines. So I, I think just the fact that there is so much more emphasis and focus through these office of uh, chief data officers that has been set across in public sector, that itself is a great, uh, great testament that we're taking data as a strategic asset now. So, so I want to stick with this thought a little bit about the relationship between private industry and, and public sector. Uh, so if, if companies are interested in looking at, for example, the, the workforce in Arkansas, say I'm thinking of opening an, a, new, a new office or starting an enterprise in Arkansas, and they don't know anything about the data assets that you have available, are there workforce assets or you know, kind of economic sector assets that, that companies should be aware of and should be thinking about you know, I want to. I want to grow. I'm evaluating Arkansas, perhaps versus different states. What kinds of things are available that would be useful commercially in in that vein? Yeah, that that that's a fantastic point that you bring up, Chris. And um, interestingly, you know, I mentioned our state longitudinal data system earlier that we're working on, and as part of that effort, we're co- collaborating with uh, the Economic Development Commission and the Department of Commerce to identify the needs that sort of what you're pointing towards. Hmm. When a new company is coming into Arkansas, how do they get to know what is our skilled workforce looking like? What are our college graduates looking like? Who is who is coming out not only today, but what is our workforce gonna look like in the next five years to come? So that that data can be used to kind of guide uh, industries that are looking to place in Arkansas, and also to be used by our state departments and our Department of Commerce 
to kind of say what industries can we attract to Arkansas based on not only the geographical location, but the workforce that's available and more importantly, will be available in the coming years to come. So that that's a project that is underway right now. We're very excited about it because that's going to um, bring a lot of cost and operational efficiencies to some of the processes that are uh, being done in uh, uh, a less automated manner today. Uh, so really looking ex- uh, forward to that. And maybe if we talk again in the next few months, I might be able to give you a better okay. update. Super, super. And, and you know, if, if we have to put in a plug for why data quality is important, now we could say, well, w- there's work underway. Data quality is going to help us grow the state economy. And everyone thinks that's important. So um, let me then kind of shift gears one more time and talk a little bit about your career and, and your journey um, to, you know, this terrific leadership position that you have. So you started out, um, I understand, in a very technical track on the database side. Um, what what was the transition for you from that kind of technology track into the world of master data, operational data? And, you know, how did you find it kind of personally and professionally moving from, you know, a world where where you were really worried mostly about systems landscapes and now you're kind of equally worried about systems landscapes and stakeholder landscapes? <laughs> yeah, I have to say, I think it's it's just... It's just having the passion for data from the very beginning. So I know you point out that I started in a very technical role, and and I'd like to say that I still want to focus in that aspect of uh, uh, technicality in my job role today as well. Uh, but but the fact that I've been with the state for about two decades, twenty years now, uh, I, I have seen so much happen with the state data systems that we have managed over the years. Seeing the seeing the kind of problems that we fixed seeing the kind of information that has that is flowing between departments and the challenges that we've addressed and helped figure out over the years got, got me to start thinking, you know, I want to know where is the data coming from? Where is it going? How many copies of this data exist, not only in my organization, but around state department? How many times are we collecting the same data again and again? There, are, there was so many opportunities for improvement, right? As every day, every day of the last 20 years has been a learning experience for me to learn more about what, what can I do with the data that we have at hand today? What is the department using it for today? And more importantly, what can it be used for tomorrow? What can it be used for tomorrow if we integrated it with other data sets? Yeah. I, I think it's the curiosity and the passion for trying to do more with that data kind of has transitioned me from uh, from day one of my journey here at DIS to where I am today. And uh, again, like I said, it's a, it's a learning experience every day. Yeah, that's that, that's amazing. Well, and I just from our, you know, this is the the first time we've met, but I, I feel like you have you do have that passion and that. Um, kind of willingness to educate other people about why it's important. And, you know, in, in my experience that um, that's, you know, really helpful to kind of graduating into these, these senior leadership roles in the, uh, in the data world. Um, well, I don't know, maybe in, in wrapping up um, any major predictions in the data world on say a five to 10 year horizon or, uh, you know, final thoughts or, or messages that you'd like to leave the audience with? Um. As far as predictions, I think um, two things that I like to focus on are, I think, are going to be valuable. Um, 
cloud cloud computing i mean uh, we've we've seen cloud has been a game changer in the last several years um, in the coming few years i see uh, a bigger shift in cloud data management um, but i also feel as uh, dna leaders I, I i think we need to prioritize we need to decide what we want to move over to the cloud uh, cloud has its own potential benefits but i think we need to always uh, decide the right service for the right use case so we're able to use cloud to bring the cost and operational uh, efficiencies that it gets so as dna leaders i think we need to kind of continue to evaluate and prioritize and and i see that being more of a hybrid shift being more of a cloud right approach than just a cloud first approach uh the second thing that um i think is going to be valuable is responsible ai I mean, AI is here to stay yes. but i think with with that i mean even in the current pandemic times we know that ai and machine learning have uh, has played a a huge role in providing insights and uh, predictions around the virus uh but together with all of these potential benefits that ai has provided to various industries comes a great deal of risk and i feel that as we're creating more um, ai frameworks there is a need to wrap data ethics and privacy in these ai frameworks uh we as dna practitioners and leaders i think we need to be careful about being able to explain these ai frameworks everything needs to be uh governed with the right ethics and privacy uh while creating potential benefits because yes uh, ai is being used to drive some very critical uh predictions today and those predictions might be impacting the lives of some citizens so let's let's do our part in being responsible um as we apply some of this wrap up thoughts i guess uh to me learning is important i mean i i just say keep learning it doesn't matter whether you're day one on your job or you are 50 years into your job just keep learning i think that's one piece that i always like to live with yeah no that 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 that's perfect and i uh just to interject i think those are are great predictions and and you know i i agree um in particular on you know kind of algorithmic transparency responsible mm-hmm. ai uh, i think that's going to be really really critical and and maybe just to tie it back to one point in our conversation uh, i think for our audience no one's going to do this for us no one is going to do it for us so people who understand this and who are in leadership roles we have to be the evangelists yep. for data ethics and ai responsibility um because we understand it and you know understand it both uh kind of outcome levels and then also technical levels how for example bias can creep into ai models and there's been a lot of um excellent and there continues to be a lot of emerging research on you know, kind of the propensity of those models to um you know bias of the folks who write the algorithms bias in data sets you know many other aspects of this and um i think you're right that you know uh th- this is dawning on everyone in the world and on a 5 10 year horizon people are not going to accept black box results especially when they come to consequential things you know like state service provisioning or approving mm-hmm. of credit loan applications or healthcare or many other things so i think that's a, i think that's a great observation Super well this was um this was an awesome conversation Adida thank you so much for uh for joining me today 
Um, I really enjoyed meeting you. For our audience, we have um, multiple other interviews at cdomagazine.tech. And um, thank you again. Uh, I hope everyone has a, a terrific day. Appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.